0: How's it going? Happy New Year. Hey. Hey. uh, Happy New Year. (laughs) Here we are. Here we are in Spain. Um, So did you uh, look over the topics? I
1: did. I think I want to talk about the top mini topic because I don't remember what it's about, but it'll come back to me.
0: Oh, yeah. Sure. Um, Any follow-up in front matter of importance? I don't think so. Nope. Let's keep our our thoughts and our ideas in our pocket for now, because you never know how this will go. Um, what did we? I feel like we got some follow up. Oh yeah, yeah. Lots of people seem to like Barkley Marathons. I think that was a good pick. Yeah, saw good feedback from that. Lots of people saying, "Yeah, have you seen this race? Have you seen this crazy thing?" Mm-hmm. But uh, that was nice. I'm glad we got to share that with people. That was, uh, yeah, was a Good pick.
1: Some the most recent one someone sent me was about was Moab. Fe- no, not that one. the The famous Australian dude. And I'm like, oh yeah, I know about that guy because I think I've seen documentaries about him before. The I, Cliff from... Cliff something or other has gotten the characteristic shuffle.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Everyone in Australia knows exactly what I'm talking about. Cliff you know? Shuffle. And but anyway, I I think there's been at least one or two documentaries or at least other television programs about this guy that I have seen.
0: Cliff Young, maybe.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it was nice though. Cause a lot of the responses we got um, on Twitter were people that were, I don't know. I feel like kind of getting at what I was not articulating well, which is, I don't know. I guess I just, I'm intrigued by, this is one of those uh, wonderful things where I have no personal interest in this, but I do have in doing it myself. but I'm very interested in other people and like what makes somebody do this to themselves, not just enter a nearly impossible uh, race or for that matter, do a nearly impossible thing. Like but also just to do all the prep that leads you up to that. It just, it seems like you really would have to be wired really differently than I am to do something like that. And I guess maybe that's partly why I find it so fascinating.
1: Yeah. The Moab article was from like one of the more athletic people playing, doing various more reasonably sanctioned things with sort of, Less trickery by a smiling, chain smoking uh, <laughs> sadist. You know, exactly, uh, and even then, like what was the the, the wild one was uh, like, I don't know, two hundred and forty miles or something over many days. And anyway, the the competitor was talking about like toward towards the end of the race, it was like just nonstop hallucinations, and everything was like a face. As they're running through the forest. And oh, my god! one race, she became blind for the past 12 miles and wasn't sure why. Oh, my It doesn't sound like a good time.
0: My wife really. first told me about this, about the things that happen on the road. The Your body starts to lose control of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like in the yeah, yeah. race. I I had not known any of that till i met her yeah
1: but, but this is this is like way beyond that like going sure, blind yeah. i feel like is, 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 you're, you're you're worried about pooping your pants forget it that's like you know day two this is
0: i had two yeah. podcasts today and i needed a nap and and like I, <laughs> I i just think about people who like know in particular i guess the one i think about sometimes it really feels almost like being in war being or being in a battle, being in some kind of very stressful, you could die situation, where people you see this in now, uh, Berkeley marathons, but people who know that, like my body is really wrecked right now, and there is this chance that going out and doing more of this could, if not kill me, at least cause very chronic, perhaps permanent damage to my body. And I am just curious about the mindset about what makes somebody, you know, go and do that. It, it just must take a different kind of wiring, and it's just fascinating to me. Looking at an article here on The Guardian from March 2016, the comedian Eddie Izzard ran 27 marathons in 27 days contiguously.
1: Yeah, yeah I've seen that one before too, yeah.
0: Jeez Louise.
1: oh one other, one other fun bit from this is uh, Courtney DeWalter, who's the, the winner of this Moab 240. And I don't mean the women's winner, I mean the winner. Mm-hmm. beat everybody including all the men which further supports my idea that separating sports into men and women though ha- though it has an important purpose in our current extremely fractured world is not necessarily done like uh, at the absolute peaks there's no reason in many many sports that a woman can't be the best in the world and this is you know proof of that in this particular sport and one of us here was, uh, talking about sleeping she says um the article says she laid down on the trail and slept for exactly one minute with her pacer as a human alarm clock. This oh is towards the end God. of the race. Apparently, you can have a piece, and it says, it was the deepest sleep I've ever had. When I woke up, I thought he'd let me sleep for 30 minutes. After that one minute, I was fully alert and totally rejuvenated.
0: What <laughs> in the hell? <laughs> uh,
1: she did sleep for 20 minutes at mile 190.
0: Wow, what a piker.
1: <laughs> but, but, but couldn't get to sleep. You my can brain get to sleep, my brain wouldn't shut off
0: get to sleep and wake up in one minute <laughs>
1: yeah. well, that's at that point in the race I feel like it's not so much sleep as like like when the uh, like when the CPU refuses to function in an iPhone because the battery can't provide sufficient power <laughs> <laughs> not sure there is much choice in the matter at that point where the body right. just says no. it' was just
0: communicated poorly
1: <laughs> yes exactly oh, my your body's God. telling you is just the giant letters nO. For sixty seconds, right? But
0: then you're back, and it's fine. You heard that? um You've certainly heard that phrase, "dropping the spoon." Probably from you, but I don't think I know yeah. what it means. I, I mean, the provenance—I don't know if this is the provenance. I've, I've known people who did this, like on vacation or something. But the, the story supposedly goes that—I've heard it with Salvador Dali, but who knows? It's one of those things, like quoting Churchill or Mark Twain. But, uh, but the idea is the idea—the basic idea of dropping the spoon—is if you did it literally. You lay on a bed or a hammock, like with a spoon in your hand over a plate. And when the spoon hits the plate, it wakes you up, that you basically fall asleep just enough to be asleep and then wake back up. And don't, don't kill me in all the details of this, but you know what I'm saying. But the, the the basic idea is that you hit a little reset button, right? You do like a little mm-hmm. force quit on your brain for a minute and then it comes back, which I, I, I've seen the results of that. I've had some 20-minute naps that were way more refreshing than a 90-minute nap. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of problems with the, the specifics of that uh, <laughs> idea, though. How's
0: like,
1: that? It, if it, well, so first of all, if it worked as described, it's like it's like my idea of a nightmare. Like, the worst thing in the world to me is being woke, awoken by, like, a loud startling noise, like mm-hmm. an alarm clock. Like, why would you do that to yourself voluntarily? I don't want that at all. Right. It's the opposite of one. And the second thing is uh, the uh, the idea of it is based on uh, the expectation that a certain depth of sleep will cause you to release the spoon. And I just think there's a lot of people who just hold that spoon for 24 hours. Oh. Just sleep with the spoon in their hand. You know what I mean? It's like the system has a problem. The system
0: has a bug. You might, you might never wake up.
1: <laughs> That's right. You what if you've got a just... prehensile
0: hand? Right. I
1: don't, I don't know. Huh. If I, I mean, I suppose most people would, but like the spoon sticks to your finger. You you know gets caught in a crease. Uh, you know you're a tense sleeper. And you just oh, put God. it on the ball down do mm-hmm. a little fist, and the spoon never hits the plate. Or you drop the spoon, and hits the plate, and you just keep snoozing because you're a deep sleeper. Mm-hmm. Sleep is funny. People are funny, <laughs> but it makes for a good
0: story. <laughs> I guess a good story. <laughs> cool great story, bro. Good story, John. Yeah, I'm reading. Uh, there's a website about it called Drop the Spoon. Listen right. into the Promenades. Of, of course, there's a website about it.
1: Yeah, right. Bulletproof spoon dropping.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, um, a, a term I learned from a TV program, white torture. You know, the kind of things you do where you don't leave a mark on somebody. So a lot of the gitmes.
1: Oh, is that what that is? I thought it was a racial thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, is, is it like a, a bars of soap and a, a pillowcase?
0: No, no. No, no. A, uh, o- orange is
1: in a pillowcase? Wait, what's the yeah, one doesn't leave marks? Blah,
0: blah, blah. No, you're thinking, of, uh, you're thinking of full metal jacket. They call it a blanket party, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Code, code, code red.
1: Code right, red. You got to run
0: a code red on them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think White Torture, like they do to, uh, to John Lakeman, the idea is that they do stuff to you that doesn't leave a mark. But, um, you know, makes Leaves it a mark good. on the inside. Merle. Leaves a mark on the inside. Yep. You mm-hmm. may never drop the spoon. He may never laugh again. He'll have no sense of humor. <laughs> like the wolf says in my favorite movie, Pulp Fiction. Yep. <laughs> oh, um, Let's see. Any other follow up? I'm really I'm kind of off my game. I've had a pretty good day. There's a sleepover happening at my house right now whoa yeah Look yeah no that. it's all good she's she's absolutely the easiest friend my daughter has and she's amazing she's really cool but i feel a little off my game the president threw me off tonight but i'm gonna get it back um uh other stuff from the last anything else from the last episode i feel like we don't do a lot of like according to whole, whole follow-up on no, it.
1: no i mean there, it, it is what it is if there's mm. follow-up there's follow-up there's not there's not
0: yeah okay i got one for you um i do a thing every couple of weeks where when it occurs to me I post a, a screenshot of what I call the runner-up titles for the episode mm-hmm. of this show. It could be very amusing. Okay. It's a, something that I do that, that, that people sometimes like. And I, I always enjoy the conversation that comes out of that. Honestly, legit. Um, I enjoy when people say, oh, I was really hoping it would be really the close number two, for example, this week. Now you're Miranda, mm-hmm. right? Do you ever see that list and think, hmm, we should have picked this one instead?
1: Uh, only one time, and that was the time where there was actually a title that we forgot to put on the list that we were considering. That you then went and added right before you added the tweet, because I remember messaging you saying, "Oh, I, we should have called it whatever," right. but we forgot to write it in the document. But it was too late. But then when you did the list, you put it in the list. So in that case, I did see that and be like, "That's not fair." If that was, if I had been on the list, I would have picked it.
0: I do with this, uh, with this, and the Do By Friday program. I do sometimes. If I heard a particularly great title, I will go back and retroactively add it to the list. And that must drive you crazy.
1: I don't mind that if it's a title, I wouldn't have picked just in that one case when yeah like, we are, we had been talking about it, but then it didn't actually go in the document. So anyway, that's fine. I, don't I care. care. I, a
0: I care a lot about the title. I know that sounds silly, but for for everything we do, I care a lot about the title. Cause, uh, me too. I'm yeah, yeah. Person. Well, you were really good at it with hypercritical, and it would be fun to listen to you like reminding Dan what your kind of conventions, not rules necessarily, but like those have really bled over into me. And there are some things, I mean, this is a little bit inside baseball, but might be kind of interesting, but like, you know, if, if it's, if it's the single best punchline in the show, you don't want to, you don't want to use that. If it appears too early in the show, you probably don't want to use it. If we set it. And, and of course, then there's the rule that, of course, you got to go to title, titlecase.com and make sure you get it title cased right. It has to be what was actually said during the recording, and uh, and you're not I hear this with you guys on ATP you're not allowed to massage the title to be what you wished you'd said instead
1: yeah or am and on ATP, I'm definitely less strict about it. You know, hypercritical. the rules sort of evolved over the course of of the show and sort of got nailed down, but in ATP, we are mostly riffing. I'm actually willing to change words around or use things not said. We have. And ATP, some ATP titles have actually been not massaged to make them better titles, but like very quickly after, after the fact, we misremember what we said three seconds ago and then talk about it, and, and you know, technically it ends up being said. Anyway, yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty loose with it these days, but having some kind of guidelines is good. Otherwise, you'll just be drowning in like, oh, what should the title be?
0: Yeah, I go through that with um, the "Should I do with John Roderick, where I have this kind of a triad, Technically, a quadrat, I guess, if that's a word. But like, there's the title, there's the problem,
1: mm-hmm. there's yeah, you did the image. This yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm? You did this to yourself. I know. Rock Online is very structured.
0: It is. And it's like, it's a little bit artful. I don't nail it every single week, but I do have this guideline in my head that I only break if I'm extremely time constrained or I forget, which is that the, the title has to be a good title and it has to be something that we said. And unless I wrote it down wrong, it usually is exactly something that somebody one of us said the problem and it's, it's hard because i know it's hard to you know write all these down while you're you know doing all the stuff but then there's the problem which is just something usually hopefully involving john like you know john something 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 there's the image which is just usually still off the internet and then there's the uh some people may or may not know there's the mouse over text if you mouse over the image uh there's an alt and a title you know the 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 will be a line from the show, an additional like little bonus Easter egg line from the show. And my, my rule of thumb is like, it has to be catchy. It has to be something where, and I think of this of all the shows, like if this is so dumb, but um, if, if, if this ended up for some reason being the best episode that we ever did of the show and people said, Oh, did you ever listen to that one episode? Bellicose phone booth. It has to be something where I would be happy to hear them say the title as what is their favorite episode. And then for me, with Roderick, the image and the the problem part cannot be too on the nose. They have to form some kind of a, a triangle. It Doesn't have to be an equilateral triangle, but they have to like pull on different parts of what we talked about. You can't have an image of like uh, whatever. Uh, you can't have an image of uh, a jar of glue and a title that involves glue and a problem that involves glue. You've probably gleaned this from from looking at it.
1: Yep. No, I'm I'm well aware of the mm-hmm. system. I think it's a an varying degrees of success. Sometimes it just all comes sometimes, together. Other times. Yeah. Well, sometimes I can write the,
0: enough down and I'm doing the edit and I'm like, I'm trying yeah. to get it out really fast. That's, you know, the the big thing. But the, the, I
1: think your biggest problem, ironically, is the problem part.
0: You think I could I do better on that? You think?
1: I think you have fenced yourself in by making it have to be the problem colon. Because if it was just one line of text, I think you could find a better fit. But because it always has to be the problem colon, something that hems you in. And that really constrains us like the worst part of your little turkey triangle.
0: Yeah, you're probably right. I, I don't feel like it has to be meaningful. It started out being meaningful.
1: Uh, I, I, I noticed. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, when I when I started doing it, it would be something like what it was that we were mad about or bickering mm-hmm. about or the be and John's bonnet would be what the problem was. And then at some point I pivoted to thinking it would just be kind of funny if it was like I think this week's was something like there wasn't enough Aidens or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I try to get the exact wording. I care about this stuff. I like it. I like it when people do a really good job with this. I like it when somebody gets, when you hear the title and you're like, oh, when you hear it during the show, you're like, that was good. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's a nice yeah. feeling.
1: That's a tough balance, I can say, because you don't want to ruin it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Miranda line was good, though. Yeah, I didn't want to ruin that one. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. White torture. Hmm. Type of psychological torture. <laughs> <laughs> This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Fracture. You can learn more about Fracture right now by visiting FractureMe.com. This is a new sponsor for us, and I am very happy to have them. You guys know Fracture. Fracture is the company that can take your favorite images and print them directly onto glass for you to display in your home. With Valentine's Day coming up, Fracture makes a perfect, very thoughtful gift. Fractures are handmade in Gainesville, Florida. I've been to Gainesville. It's a hell of a town all made from u.s sourced materials and their sleek frameless design goes with any decor ordering is super simple this is true and fractures come ready to display straight out of the box they even come with a wall hanger that's how fuss-free the fracture experience is and fracture is a green company operating in a carbon neutral factory which they lovingly refer to as their fractory. that's fun Uh, I am a fan of Fracture. Uh, I really like the product. I like what they make. I like what I take out of the box. I like that it's just all photo. But I gotta tell you a funny thing. I love using their website. It's usually, we've we've talked about this on this show. It is such a pain to use most photo websites. There are photo services that I like using, but their website is a mess. Fracture is so fun to use. You just wanna go make more and more and more of them. You can do that right now. You just go to FractureMe.com. They're a great addition to any home. They make amazing gifts for friends and family. This is so true. Here's my idea. Go into your photos, look at your favorite photos on your phone, and think about making some of those into a fracture for somebody that you love in your family. It is time to rescue those photos that are hidden away on your devices. So head on over to FractureMe.com to get started and see how sleek fractures look. When you go, please use the very special offer code RD15. That's RD15. That'll get you 15% off your first order. FractureMe.com. Open the browser right now. Go. FractureMe.com. Use that code RD15 to put your beautiful photos on display. Don't forget to pick Reconcilable Differences in their one-question survey that helps support the show. Please go check them out. FractureMe.com. Our thanks to Fracture for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all the great shows. What do you want to talk about?
1: Uh, I got oh I wanted this top mini topic,
0: oh yeah, right. Is this too inside baseball?
1: <laughs> no, it's not it's exactly it's like the baseball that is in the normal place that's not inside, nor outside is it in the astrodome, I don't know, but uh,
0: oh is this is your heroes
1: yes yeah, I'm trying to remember what this was about, but i, I
0: <laughs> yeah uh, and strokes. Gonna, you're gonna bring up the larger fact that I've met uh, I will have met all except. Four of your Irish heroes. I've met all of your heroes except for four who live in Ireland.
1: Yeah, it, it very often seems that way. Like, there's lots of <laughs> lots of lots of very famous people that I admire and that other people meet, mm-hmm. and Merlin meets most of them. Sometimes other people meet them too. Yeah, right? Sure,
0: I, I let him do this, that. Yeah. This is
1: the the uh, the agony and the ecstasy of being two degrees separated from people that you really admire, but that you'll never actually meet. Mm-hmm. And and you always your thing is is always just casually talking about them. Like you know, no big deal. Is that my thing? Ma-
0: Either because
1: <laughs> they're not people that you uh, admire to the same degree <laughs> or because they are, but you just playing it off cool, as you would say. And I'm trying to remember what's the last one. So what's the last really? infuriating famous person you met?
0: The original Peaches.
1: Oh, there you go. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So Merlin... Who hadn't heard of this podcast until three you degrees and, separated from me somehow? Until you, until uh, got you onto and it.
0: Jason beat it into my Jason Snell beat it into my head that I had to listen to this show.
1: Yeah, so it goes me, Jason, you, and then you, of course you meet all of them, <laughs> <laughs> and so does Jason for that matter. But but uh, somehow I'm less bitter about that because it's like well it's Jason you know he, he doesn't meet all the it. famous people yeah well yeah, but the thing <laughs> is he doesn't he doesn't know all of my idols already but you do, and now you're just you're just collecting them.
0: I just keep accumulating them.
1: Those little well, hey, judges in your hey, pocket, hey, check right? Yeah. Huh,
0: well, well. <laughs> <laughs> and, and does it frustrate you that I'm not more like.
1: Awestruck by them? Yeah. Like I'm trying to think of what the equivalent for you to be. I guess it would have to be like if you got to meet like John Lennon. I don't know. Like if they, the assembled Beatles hung out at your house. Like I'm trying to think of where, what. What are What would it take for you to be starstruck?
0: Oh, that's that's actually a really good question. That's actually a more interesting question. Well, do you like, I, I mean, the quick word, do you want to hear the story or do you want to talk about that? the story's not actually that oh, interesting. i, I
1: want to hear before we get into your 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 meeting the people what is it like because not there's lots of f- famous people that i would meet and be like oh well yeah whatever like it's not a big deal like yeah you like them and you know like I, I think most actors would be that way like if al if al pacino came by i'd be like oh i really like al pacino but you know it's not that we're big talking of a here deal, about the three
0: guys that do uh podcasts we like called the flap house so we're speaking in code but that's that's um so they had a show in san francisco and, you know, I had been just, you know, telling them on the Internet, like how much I like what they do. And I um, they're one of my what do you call it? Not a pet project, but they're one of the things <laughs> sort of like a TV show I encourage you to watch. Sometimes they'll take up a cause. And I know I was late to the cause from your POV. But like I was like, this is a really good show. And there's a point I think summer before last much like um, a Bim Bam in this past uh, six months where I was listening to multiple episodes every day and just dying listening to The Flophouse, out of order, in, in complete contravention of your and God's will. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I should explain my, how I listen to podcasts because I think it would really fascinate you. Uh, but I, I work my way backwards through their catalog, 10 episodes at a time. So like if the latest episode was arbitrarily, episode 100, I would listen to ninety one ninety to 100. Then I go and listen to like 80 to 89 and go like that. And uh, and I really loved it. And that's a show where you can kind of do that. I mean, more so than other shows because there's not as much continuity. There's so much continuity. How can you say that? There's some so continuity. Much. All right. There's a lot of continuity. That's true. Uh-oh. But I um... – <laughs> <laughs> no, but then if you do it that way, you finally get back to the first time you hear from the yeah, Flockhouse right. Cat. You hear
1: Catch That Kid for like seven years. <laughs> you're like, oh,
0: that's – that's the first time they
1: stumble on to Catch That Kid.
0: Uh, Rocket Crocodile.
1: And then 900 (laughs) riffs on Catch That Kid, like, you have to back solve, like, what are they talking about? The joke (laughs) didn't make any sense. And Then eight shows previously, you realize it's a riff on Catch That Kid. And then you're like, okay, so what's Catch That Kid about? And then you got to wait 700 shows before that. (laughs) You're doing it wrong.
0: Anyway. Yeah, I did. But, um, I mean, this is dorky, but, like, I just, I I had done this thing that I do. I I reserve this for myself to do fairly rarely because I think done wrong, it's really, really gross. But uh, I think I did one of my reach-outs. I did a reach-out. And I did a a whole, like, hey – you you may not know me from Adam. I just think you're terrific, and I like what you do. See, and
1: but only you can do the reach out. The only Nixon can go to China, and only Merle Man can do the <laughs> reach out understand how this works so,
0: i wish i had as much esteem for myself as you have for the well, idea of myself first
1: of all with the, the reach out with the Flophouse folks in particular you, know, you is, know is, is in a both gimme of those podcasts, because
0: i did not know that you look nice to, today connection per se you, with know, those shows. you know it shows i know of it
1: but by the time you did the reach out you knew it so that's why you know you have an entree a legit entree but still you have an entree I <laughs> i'm
0: swinging some wood around is what you're saying
1: yeah and then and, and second <laughs> thing is even without that entree because you know so many other famous people, you can casually name drop them. To I say, don't do
0: that. What are you talking about? This, I don't do that. You think I do that. This person is a safe
1: person. I don't person. This I don't person do has that. been around person X and has not, like, clawed their eyeballs you're out. You're calling Therefore, me a
0: social climber, John.
1: No, you're not. You're an accidental social climber. Accidental. You <laughs>
0: didn't <laughs> You didn't mean to. <laughs> It started as a car podcast, right? Oh man, yeah. I'll use anybody I can. I'll step on a shoulder, step on a head.
1: But but, I, uh, but like I mean, I mean, honestly, and the ultimate superpower is that you don't care that much, which is exactly what someone's looking for, right? They don't want the person who really cares I, I a lot. I like a lot. to
0: think that my that I, I read as exactly the wholesome character that mm. I am. Mm. No, I I can tell when it's wholesome. I can tell when somebody's reaching out to me in a wholesome way. Sure, because I, I, I reached out to you in a non wholesome way ten times a day and it's really gross.
1: Yeah, I know, but even the people who reach out to you wholesome way you are like, well, meh, but anyway, whatever, fine. So yeah, <laughs> I, I don't begrudge I don't I don't begrudge you this because this is obviously <laughs> yes, you this do. is <laughs> yes, you do. No, I don't. I, I begrudge you lots of other ones, but this one is legit. Like they they admired you look nice I've today.
0: Said maybe a hundred words to Amy Mann ever. Don't hold that against me. That was just because I, I was on I a boat. I kind of hold that one against you. I was on a boat. That, that seems that seems the least deserved. I'm I'm saying. <laughs> no, that's true. Hmm.
1: But Flophouse is plenty deserved,
0: right? I genuinely loved their weird chemistry, and like it's you know it's it's like the show like Bim Bam. like they're very different, but you can t- kind of tell they're brothers. Like they they very there's a lot of shared DNA in their kind of sense of humor. Mm-hmm. I still love that to, to this day. The three guys on the Flophouse are so very different, D- do you know what I mean like yes, I do. almost everything about them, apart from their shared love of, of like a, a few things, they are their personalities, their point of view, really their sense of humor, their outlook on life i don 't think it 's purely a bit, I think they are three very, very different people, and it 's amazing the show turns out as well as it does because they are so very different and and uh,
1: for me, this is my my entree into the flop house. The thing that initially fascinated me with the show so much is that I worked with Dan's brother on my first job out of college for many years and know him pretty well. And this is is John. Yes. And he turned me onto the podcast very early, which is the only reason like why I would even have heard of it when no, like no one was listening to it. Right. Right. Um, and listening to the show, I was like, how is your brother so much like you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how is that how is that even because if you don't know john it's just dan just seems like dan but to know that there is an like another dan or another john out there in the world you're like how is this even possible uh, and the more, <laughs> the, more listen, <laughs> the more i listen the more listen the more fascinating it's it like okay fine families have similar voices right and maybe they look a little bit similar yeah. right and yeah. maybe they share some common you know a common accent or some phrases but at a certain point like they started to blend in my head as the same person. Like, you have the same sense of humor. If I said this, I know you would say that thing. It was just unbelievably. And that was my whole big shtick in the beginning is that the two, I, so I still want to get the two of them on the podcast. You, together. Did you start, the un- you start at the
0: beginning? You start at the beginning.
1: Still unsuccessful. Uh, no, I started, I don't know, like double digit episodes. Then I went back and backfilled. Okay. Right. Because we're just like, oh, listen to this podcast. My brother just was like, yeah, whatever. I listened to it. And I'm like, and I, was like I cannot believe that this, <laughs> why is this person exactly like you? That's so there, interesting. There are there are explanations having to do with like you know John's his older brother and you know he he shaped his brother to be like him and his brother looks up to him and so like but a lot of it is just shared genetics and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and shared environment. But anyway, um, but yeah, I did, I did go back and backfill. But again, it's easy to backfill when there's only like ten or twenty episodes that you haven't sure. heard, and then then you, then you're on real time, and then you're just you know cruising along with it. But no, that's a really good show, and. I would love to see them live. Uh, and honestly, I don't know if like they don't, they don't need to hang out with like whatever.
0: Like, I, well, this I, I feel is, like, this is where we get into the wholesome. You gotta, you gotta be wholesome about it. Yeah, but I'm not very wholesome. So it's like, we got like, through whatever. this. I think we had an episode about this a long time ago where, where I had suggested that it may be less difficult than you think to at least shake hands and meet somebody. If it's somebody that you really admire and then you in, in your typical, uh, Way we're like, I wouldn't want to do that. Wah, yeah, yeah, basically,
1: yeah, yeah. Very similar. But I, I, also want, I also don't want anyone else to do it too, because I feel like when everyone else does it, then you're going to be like close personal friends, and because you're hilarious and the life of the party, and they'd be like, "Oh, everyone loves Merlin Man. He's my yeah. best friend in the world now. We're great friends, and we exchange Christmas gifts for our children." and I ask him for advice all the time, and it's like <laughs> that's never going
0: to yeah. happen for <laughs> you have me. Such a twisted idea of what my life is actually like. Yeah, I know. I, anyway, oh my god, I, I I love that you think about this, though. It makes me so happy yeah. and sad. Yeah, and
1: so I just get more depressed about the yeah. fact that don't you know I don't depressed. want to want I don't even want to have the perfunctory handshaking because I know it's not going to go anywhere. So it's fine.
0: People like you, John. They really no, like no, you. No, they they
1: don't. Me, they, I should get together with Dan because we both would be all depressed. You guys would get along very <laughs> and just, well, and just
0: you don't seem uh, depressed. Sigh. You don't seem depressed to me. You seem like a downer you don't seem like you're impressed <laughs> yeah well, well anyway yeah. anyway there's not much to say that now this sounds really annoying but um yeah i met them and they were really nice but yeah you
1: got so you got to you did the reach out did, you did the reach around and you went to see the live show and then you get the special backstage pass because you, you did the reach out and it's like hey hey now you now you're them <laughs> and they're like oh merlin i love your <laughs> show <it>. everything <laughs> i've done is inspired you nailed, by you <laughs> I, owe, I owe my entire life and career to you thank you merlin for inspiring me
0: <laughs> okay i should go you guys bye it's got to be wholesome, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they were really, really nice, and it was nice, nice, uh, nice to meet.
1: So them. you didn't answer my question though. Who, who you, who are you? Who would you star be Star Trek by, living or dead?
0: I just want to say in passing that, like, uh, uh, a lot of times my wife sees pictures of not a lot of times because hopefully she's not looking for too many pictures of Stu, but we have both been struck by how much I kind of Stu and I kind of look a little bit alike. Yeah, that's a reach. Oh yeah, you think he's more handsome? You got a little. You both
1: have rectangular heads. I'll give you that's that. That's True, that's true. Uh, isn't he like a foot taller than you?
0: Well, I don't know. I'm a little guy. I know, but didn't you meet him? Yeah. Yeah. He was taller than me. So, yeah. <clears throat> but, but like he a was, lot uh, taller, they, right? They were, okay. Enough of this. They were all really nice. And thank you guys uh, for doing that. Cause I'm sure you're listeners to the show. Um, uh, who would I be star struck by? So if I star struck, we're asking it's somebody you've liked and admired and for a long time, but let's be honest. To be truly starstruck, there also has to be a little bit of creepiness. To be truly starstruck, there has to be a sense of, I know you. I feel like I know you almost as well as you know yourself. Or or
1: not even that. Or just like that they're in a different class. Like there are people who might be cool because you like enjoy their work or whatever. And then there are like people who are like, you're not a person. You're an institution. But
0: meeting meeting a podcaster is different, I think, than meeting, I don't know, maybe a politician like I I would probably be pretty starstruck by Barack Obama. Because okay, I don't love everything he did, but I'm a pretty big fan of the guy.
1: And he he seems less like just just a person and more like an institution, right?
0: Kind of, but you can also tell he's just seen, he seems like a good guy. Yeah. But
1: uh, but but I would say like do you like do you admire what Barack Obama did as much as you admire like what Paul McCartney did or something like, Oh, I see. Maybe what not you're not saying. current day, but like six, like 68 Paul McCartney. I don't know. You, like, I'm trying to put words into your mouth, but like there are certain people who you put up on a pedestal. Oh, uh, like all historically.
0: Yeah. I met Kurt Vonnegut and I was uh, absolutely starstruck because that every, all of the pieces were in place. The reason that is such a story for me was that he was my favorite American writer. And, um, getting to hang out with him for a while was like, I, you know, the phrase stars in your eyes. I really felt like I had stars in my eyes because he was telling yeah. stories like from books of his that I would had read. And it was, I was definitely starstruck for meeting him for sure. But you were so young. I was pretty young. I was probably 20. Trying That's so high. Of, right? you know, oh, <laughs> I, should they be living people or could they be deceased? people? I mean, from, like I said,
1: I was say 1968 Paul McCartney is dead, right? Uh, there is the 2017 one, but I don't think you'd be as starstruck by that one. Maybe.
0: Well, yeah, he blew his mind out in a car. Yeah. He didn't notice that the lights had changed. 28 if. It's right there on the license plate. Yeah, he's dead. <clears throat> miss him, miss him. Um, people like that. I wish I'd thought about this more. I mean, there's some people, like, I've got these, I mean, I don't really think about this very much because the truth is, like, if you meet somebody and you are wholesome about it, it's not a big deal. If you're unwholesome about it, it's, it's freaky and weird and everybody's creeped out. And if it is wholesome and it went well, you usually walk away going, Oh that was nice. I'm really glad I got to say hi to that person. That was cool. But it's critical that you not ask too much of the person and not offer too much of yourself. Because as as the great John Hodgman says, it always hurts to ask. You no, know, but but
1: uh like the thing the thing with this category of people is you you find you can't help yourself. You know all that intellectually, everything you said, but you just can't help yourself. Right? That that you just say you end up being more awkward than you thought you should be, or you clam up entirely and can't say a word, or you say way way too much.
0: I don't know. I think I'm very uh, there 's a lot of ways in which I am very different from how I was. I can tell you a real sharp line was when I started um doing blogging stuff and i was I was a genuinely like an unabashed fanboy of people on the internet, like in a way that was really verging on the creepy and uh I really wanted to meet these people and I wanted to be part of their group
1: <laughs> and then and- you went to the big blogger convention and it cured you right.
0: I went to. I'm not even going to tell you. I'm not, you know what? I have a great anecdote. You know, you haven't deserved. I have a great anecdote. I'm not even going to tell you.
1: I might have already heard it, but you should tell it anyway.
0: No, nope, not going to happen. I am, um, but you know what it is. I, I mean, I. This, it's not interesting to say how I am now, and how I am now is more than anything else. I'd like to watch a little TV and go to sleep. Like I was going to say
1: old and tired, but you summed it up well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very tired. I am you tired all the today, time. I a nap. <laughs> I'm perma tired. You know, Jason Snell taught me this last year. It's time we admit to ourselves that doing a podcast takes energy. I know it's not I'm a not, fashionable I've had no thing to say.
1: Admitting that, I've never been not admitting that.
0: I, after talking to somebody for two hours, I need a break. I need to not be around people. It's like I know it doesn't seem like work because it really isn't work. But like, I don't like send out invoices while I'm talking to somebody on a podcast. I click, as you can see. I click in the Google Doc and I stare at the screen. And apart from urinating in a jug and drinking this Canada dry, you have 100% of my attention. It's hard to believe given the results, but that is absolutely I think, true. I think
1: podcasting in, in the early days. Well, I don't know. I don't want to say a lot, a lot of the people I podcast with seem to be like me in the stereotypical introvert way and that interacting with people takes energy out of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and secondarily, not that I've ever been in the business of show, but
0: performing <laughs> in
1: any way performing in any way uh can't like i don't know if say can be exhausting but it takes something out of you you don't have, mm-hmm. and what it takes out of you you don't have an unlimited amount of yeah right
0: yeah the emotional reservoir
1: whatever whatever it is and obviously it takes way well, more that's a, that's a, a phrase people. roderick
0: used when he was running for office that really resonated with me that like you have a certain amount in your tank and when it gets depleted you need to either, you need to refill it. And if you don't, you just, you can't run on fumes forever, especially if you are even slightly introverted. Or if you're like me, and I have this like reverse hockey stick introversion title, where like everything's fine until one moment. And then I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm done doing this now. And that can be very depleting. And you need to just go fill the tank.
1: Yeah, and you and, you gotta, and having to switch modes of going like, like for me, uh, family, work, home, family, Performance, mm-hmm. sleep, like the the weird shape of that graph. It's not even like you build up to something, do it, and then come off. It's like you quickly ramp up, work, 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 come down, and then realize you gotta go back up again. And then come way way down.
0: Oh, I see what right? you're saying. Yeah, yeah, you got to get to so, dinner and stuff, and then show up. Yeah, at like well, you know, yeah. for, it's probably Nine, easy. People who are doing
1: eight shows a week of some Broadway show, they're like, "What are you even complaining about?" Right? And I'm up on stage in front of all these people belting my lungs out. You're talking by yourself into a microphone in a room in your, in the comfort of your own home. I but know. to someone who's not to someone who's basically a bad performer, not not predisposed to be a performer like me, it is uh, surprisingly draining. In the same way that it might be draining for someone to program for eight hours a day, where it's like I. You know, maybe it's just what, what you're practicing a good at. I've done that for a long time, and that can be tiring as well, but it's something I feel like I can do. hmm
0: This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com, and uh, you can use the offer code DIFFS at checkout, and that'll get you 10% off your first purchase. You can make your next move right now with Squarespace, because Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea. With a unique domain and award-winning templates, so much more. Whether you want to create an online store, a blog, a portfolio, you want to get your photos and products up, you can do it all with Squarespace. It's an all-in-one platform. It lets you do whatever you need to do. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace has got you covered. They have award-winning 24x7 customer support if you ever need any help. And they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. Plus, you get all of those award-winning templates that are just beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. You probably know by now that I'm already a huge fan of Squarespace. I have several Squarespace sites. I use it for my uh, Merlin Man, Ungainly X-Man meetup. Uh, Most importantly, I use it for Roderick on the Line, another podcast that I do. We uh, host our podcast there. The files, the audio files are there. The show art, the notes, it's all done with Squarespace. I've been with them for years, and I can actually really highly recommend them. Perhaps the craziest part is that Squarespace plans start at just... $12 a month, but you can go right now and start a trial with no credit card required. All you got to do is go to squarespace.com and when you decide to sign up, please use that very special offer code DIFFS, that's D-I-F-F-S, and that's going to get you 10% off your first purchase and it shows your support for Reconcilable Differences. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all the great shows. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. You should have hopped in the other night when my, uh, my good friend on the internet, uh, Paul Sabourin, and I were exchanging uh, music videos. You could have jumped right in. You could have seen Jennifer Holiday doing Dream Girls in 1982. I she, saw your discussion. She I, had to do the... that show eight times a week. Did you I watch know, the video, John? I,
1: I did. I was, I'm, and she's I'm telling there, you she's not leaving. Watching your watching go by. I follow both oh of you, God. but I would never dream of
0: imposing. Why would um, you not jump in? Why do, you, why do you go and you get involved? You get mobbed up with all these other people. Why don't you ever join us? You like music. Why don't you jump in?
1: I don't have anything to add that to that discussion. You two are doing fine. You
0: don't have a thought on a preferred one-day-more?
1: We've talked about it before on the podcast. I feel yeah, like I know, I, know, I know. it. And you, you have stronger opinions than I do. My one strong opinion is about the one version of On My Own, and I've sent it to you, and you've, you've you received a it. Did you
0: see the South Korean but, lady do On My Own? I did. It was pretty good,
1: huh? Oh, and I always wonder with those is, like, how are they changing the words I to know. try to fit into the cadence? Sometimes you can tell it doesn't quite fit and they had the in the head to wedge it in. It's, like, probably how people feel about bad translations of foreign movies, like when they're dubbed, right? That it really yes. loses a lot. No, like, I,
0: I wanted the same thing. When the guy with the bad beard, he was doing his uh, his one day more. And um, mm. yeah, you know what's interesting is like Eponine feels like, I'm going to get out of this in a second. Eponine feels like such a great role to get for somebody with just like a beautiful, like I guess soprano. I, mean, I don't know exactly which kind of yeah, voice it know. is. But like whatever, the, the, the like there are so many really good, Super memorable Eponines. There have not been many I've seen where I went. Mm, I'm not that into it. It seems like such a dream role. Who's um, who's uh Wolverine's daughter? Uh, what's her name? Um, but you know, uh, the 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 Cosette. Yeah, that seems like a tougher role. That seems like it's not as fun to sing. But like, there's so many good Eponines. It's I don't know. It's the wildest thing.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a media role.
0: You should come join in. Come join in. I, mean, I would if I had something to add. I would have. Yeah, you but never I, do. I, you never talk to me you, on the internet. You two, you two, do. We're doing fine. Um, I think I turned some kind of a corner a few years back, where like I don't know. I mean, I who cares? No, this is not interesting. I cannot peg it to this event, but I can't unpeg it from this event. Doing live comedy podcasts with a podcast I used to do put us in proximity to a lot of professional comedians at a time when I'd had the audacity to think this is something I would like to do as more, which, which used to seem like a much more la- outlandish idea. of Like, I would like to have podcasting be more of a thing that I do <clears throat> rather than all this productivity writing stuff I really like. You,
1: you, you were having this thought because you were doing the live shows, the live shows are making you think I want to do
0: podcasting more or did you want to do more live shows? Uh, both. Scott and I in particular were like, you know, this is this is a thing we should <clears throat> maybe, you know, Kind of mm-hmm. try to do more. like Not not like it's going to be like, oh, let's move to L.A. or something. But like, we should put the show out more regularly. We should do more live shows. Like, we like it. People like it. Like, what would happen if we pursued this? And it's definitely something we had like kind of banged around. This is this is so unfair. We went to a and bunch Jimmy of comedy quit. things. Jimmy quit. Jody got married. Should've mm-hmm. known you never get far. <laughs> hey, speaking of which, episode 69.
1: Yeah. Nice. There you go. Mm, you uh, said it first. Yeah.
0: You lose um, that. That means you lose, right? Mm-hmm. 420. I was really struck by how much I did not like being around comedians behind the scenes.
1: Well, that's different to the breed of celebrity. I can kind of understand that. Because their rep the rep for comedians is that, yeah, funny on stage, but in personal life, maybe not quite as fun.
0: Some of them just not very nice and absolutely not very funny. And I, I realize I'm realizing being a little bit unfair to peg it to that, but let's, let's put it this way. <clears throat> Given my small measure of minor internet celebrity at a point in the mid two thousands, I got to meet a lot of people and some people knew who I was and it was really cool, but it was also really exhausting and also really gross and kind of soured me on a lot of that stuff. If it was not done in a wholesome way. And I think the wholesomeness is being able to say to somebody, Hey, what it comes down to, to, to have a wholesome interaction with another person, especially somebody who like is maybe more famous than you, a lot of it comes down to asking very little of them and like I say, not offering too much of yourself. And it's, it takes a certain amount of presence of mind when you're meeting somebody to not make it about you because it's hard not to make it about you. But like, if you can keep yourself from doing that, it can be a mutually like really nice thing. And you just say to somebody, you know, Hey, you do this thing? that's really meant a lot to me and I'm really grateful for what you've done. It depends on the person, but you know, a fairly generic, heartfelt thing can be to say, you know, you got me through a hard time in my life. Like your, your music or your comedy or your films like mean, mean a lot to me and I'm, I'm really glad that you do what you do. I don't think there's anybody in the world that's going to mind hearing that. But don't do it yeah. as you're sidling into their booth and ordering appies. Like don't oh, do that.
1: Well, yeah, no, no, you can't do that in an environment like that. But you yeah, know what you just said is what I would say to like Michael Stipe or something, or like Bono, or the. Was that for their my like? Min- if I told you my Michael Stipe story, maybe you, I would love for you to tell it again.
0: The poor guy. I mean, this was in the nineties. We were backstage, and he and Buck were there after a show, and. You could just tell, like, there's just all of these people. All these hangers on, like, coming and wanting to talk to Michael Stipe. And he looked like he was getting he was just nodding. Imagine imagine Michael Stipe kind of looking down with his eyes up and kind of going, Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. And there was just like that. it was it was like uh it was like something from Game of Thrones. Like he was there was just these concentric circles of hangers on around him. And I could see him. Being introverted and kind, but also a little twitchy and impatient, and uh, I did not say hi. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's that's like one of the worst possible
1: environments. It's always amazing to me that you, you know, say hi to the the flop house people like after a show. Because after a show is like the worst time. Everybody wants a piece of the people who are just on stage after a show. Don't go
0: after. You got to go before.
1: Well, anyway, leave it up to them. They'll tell you. I know, but either way, like that's when everyone wants a piece of the people because they're on or near the stage. Right. If you are walking your dog in the park and they're walking their dog and the only two people in the park and your dogs meet each other, that is a much less challenging environment to just be a person. Right. Then right. right. backstage with Michael Stipe. I mean, you, that's, that makes me want to run screaming for the entire scene to be like, but don't you just you know,
0: feel in your heart, like knowing what you know about him, especially before he became more extroverted in the later nineties, like or learned how to put on that act that he puts on. Yeah, this is before he was doing lots of real big dancing with makeup and stuff. This is <laughs> back more like a not monster, but um, yeah, I don't the even know. What the before there was shoe But anyways, um, who would really who would I be? I was I was very excited to meet you. I mean, amongst our friends, oh, come on. like me. Shut up! Don't don't be like that. Um, that was, you know, I, I think you yeah, to yeah, do a show Obama with and me. me. You're right. It's very similar. Oh, you hurt my heart. But, uh-huh. like, it's still really weird to, like, like I had known of Jason Snell for so long. And when I finally, there was one time at Macworld, I think, like, meeting him, like, meeting Gruber, meeting Solberg yeah. from Twitter. Uh, look, like, like, the nerd ones could
1: be, like, the comedians, though. Like, I was a big fan of John C. Dvorak when I was very, very young. But, you know, they said, don't meet your hero. <laughs> yeah, I used to listen to his radio show. My God. Backpage column. Come on. He was snarky and irreverent. And I was and he liked 11 back years back. old. And and you remember he liked Max, like Max John? You remember yeah, that? Yeah, man. <laughs>
0: To talk about Max when it was not <sighs> popular to talk about Max. He liked a- Macs. Andy Anaco
1: I used to read Andy Anaco and, uh, Oh, that was he awkward. Was, he was he was like the 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 Mac uh, Douglas Adam the Mac. Now space that world, is a, that's Mac
0: a terrific world. example of one where I blew it. Right, I I saw him at Macworld probably 2001 2002 and because I of the hat. how can you miss him? Uh huh. But like I he's very recognizable, and I like ran up to him like a little kid and was like blah, 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 blah. and he went uh uh he's but he's 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 nice
1: he's not he's a, a
0: very very kind man um but yeah i like your question okay now what about you like no seriously now so blue sky solutioneering who's mm-hmm. gonna really blow you out of the water like who are you scared to meet
1: i'm scared to meet everybody but my big mm. my big. but my big institution people people who seem in a different category i mean amy man is kind of one of them unfortunately for all yeah. of us involved Uh, but, but yeah, uh, uh, Bono on the Edge, uh, all of you two as a unit, uh, all of R.E.M., Michael Stipe specifically, um, maybe writers? Steve Jobs, Jobs, obviously, but no no longer. What about Stephen King? A thing? Nah, I'd be cool with that.
0: Oh, don't you think he'd be kind of cool to me?
1: Oh, yeah, no, I'm saying totally, but but I think I could relate to him as a human. The pr- my problem is, my personal, like, why, why are these people in different categories is people who, I mean, I, you know, obviously I, I, I work through this and I can intellectually understand this is not the case, but people who seem to have this, like, this otherworldly thing or people who are super meaningful mm-hmm. in your life. So most of the musician people are people, like, I understand they're just regular people. But they were they were such an important part of my formative years that it's like you see them and all you can think is you don't you know you don't understand how much your music meant to me and blah 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 and they don't you know whatever they heard a million times mm-hmm. like that's why they end up being in a different category and Amy Mann and, and Jonathan Colton actually are people like who seem to be so smart and so good at what they do that it just it, like hurts you
0: mm-hmm.
1: right. You know, and like, maybe what they do is not a thing that that many people care about. And like, who cares? who the like Miyazaki's
0: of music. They get, they really get not just the medium and their vernacular, but like, they take a step and you go, yeah, that was a good step.
1: And, and, and they're, and they're clever and smart in ways that are similar to the ways I wish I was clever and smart. Right. But mm-hmm. they're like so much better at it that it kind of like, kind of disgusts you. Like, yeah. God damn it i know <laughs> how are they that and 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 you know it, it probably has no reflection on how they actually are as a person they're just a regular person but it it just seems like unfair in the universe that they're so amazing you just need to tell them how amazing they are and again they don't you know whatever that's not a thing you need to, to tell people but uh but yeah i think those and and like i said and the last time we talked about this this is uh, the the thought technology that gets me through this is that you know the I allow these relationships to run their course without ever meeting the person until it until it dissolves into you know not, and that's what happened with Joko the like right that, that that relationship has blessedly run its course without the participation of either of us and that is for the best for all involved. <laughs> but Amy, man, I think she's still, still like, she's still top of uh, your list. I, have, I still have a little problem there. I'm working. I'm working on it.
0: Okay,
1: a couple more years, but we'll, we will have broken up. <laughs>
0: This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Casper. you can learn more about Casper right now by visiting casper.com diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. Casper is the company that is focused on sleep, and they're dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time. Listen, you spend a third of your life sleeping. If you spend a third of your life doing anything, you want to make sure you've got the best thing that you can possibly get, and believe me, that is Casper, because Casper mattresses are perfectly designed for humans with engineering to soothe and support your natural geometry. It's got all the right support in all the right places. So what goes into making a Casper mattress so comfortable? You may ask yourself, well, they combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality mattress with just the right sink and bounce. Casper mattresses are designed and developed in the US and their breathable design helps to regulate your body temperature throughout the night. And with over 20,000 reviews and an average rating of 4.8 stars, Casper is very quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. They deliver that mattress directly to your door in an impossibly small box. And it's a a dream to get into setup. It's the best. If for any reason you don't love it, you don't got to worry because Casper has a hassle-free return policy. We are a Casper household where I live. We have two Casper mattresses and we love them. I'm not a big fan of travel, not least because when I travel, I do not have my Casper mattress it is critical to my sleep workflow. My Casper mattress, I love it very much, and I can't imagine not having it. Having it, yeah, I can't imagine not having it. You got to get yourself a Casper. Go start sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper. You get fifty dollars toward any mattress purchase by visiting Casper.com/diffs and using the offer code DIFFS at checkout. That's D-I-F-F-S. Terms and conditions apply. Our thanks to Casper for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all the great shows. I don't like to create work, you know? People edit too much, John. That's what I've heard.
1: Then we did the we did, did talk show where I talked for three hours about Star Wars, and everyone's like, you should have edited the show more.
0: <laughs> also, too much there crosstalk. There's some over talk. I don't know if you know about that. Yeah, right? Some did, you about, did you hear with, about that? Did you hear with about me that at and all?
1: Guy English on the same show, how could there be overtalk? You I don't understand, English, like did you realize happens.
0: the guy was talking over you a lot? Did you know that?
1: I was talking over him a lot. They should see us in real life together.
0: <laughs> <laughs> God, is, that, is, actually, this just, is deeply inside baseball. But something's up with Guy's connection, because that happens frequently with him. I've been on shows. We've been on shows probably with him it's where that happens. not Guy's
1: connection. Well, if you're saying Guy's connection, you mean the connection between his brain and his mouth? That could be it.
0: Hi-oh! <laughs> <laughs> no, Skype...
1: Skype delay is a thing, but honestly, like, me and the guy talking together in real life, face-to-face, is no better or worse. It is, like, exactly the same. Some people don't understand. It's just the way we relate to each other. Mm-hmm. So, sorry about that, but, you know, yeah. whatever. Like, you know, all these people who complain, I always imagine them coming from, like, uh, puritanical waspish families where they all take turns talking I'm like i'm from an italian family we all we would all talk constantly over each other at the same time that's like how like all those all those movies where they show those scenes and people are like is isn't this a funny exaggeration it's not an exaggeration it's, just yeah. how, it's how we relate it's to each other yeah yeah and so it's yeah it's different you know and so i don't mind it but some people they get very sort of like like a lot of you know uh, people what was it max is always saying he's like uh embarrassed by proxy for people other people like if they hear other people talking over each other they just like i don't know if it's because they got hit with a, a hickory switch when they were a kid if they talked over somebody and then they hear two people talking over each other and they're bracing for the i don't know it's
0: just on they're probably used to things like uh the slate ish you know very well structured podcast where we never talk over each other unless that's part of the bit
1: yeah, that's what that's what people think ATP is. They've been, a couple of people tweeted ATP. i like, I love how you guys never talk over each other. I'm like, <laughs> let me introduce you to the concept of editing. Editing. <laughs> we talk over each other all the time. <laughs> you just pull it apart in editing, and you make it seem like we didn't.
0: Hmm. Hmm. I wonder who I want to meet. Hmm. I don't know. I don't well,
1: know. well here, here's the, well, I don't know. Are you? Are, you're not as big an Amy fan, uh, Amy Man fan, as I am, right? Like, no.
0: Well, no, i mean you when you put it that way no but i mean i, I'm just, I like I'm her just saying, a lot like, yeah, it's not,
1: right yeah. um okay so, okay
0: here's one here's one for, okay i got one i got one i got one it's not quite as high uh chris Seeley. i don't even know who that is oh my god um he is in um was in nickel creek punch brothers he does the show formerly known as prairie home companion and he's a he's a uh, singer songwriter mandolin player multi, multi uh, really? instrumentalist homeschooled mm-hmm. christian and uh, very, very deeply talented guy. He's one of those guys, though. I, every time I hear him do anything, I'm just like, oh, God. He just, I know, I, I i know enough to not say stupid stuff like this, but he makes it look so easy and fun. He just seems to know all the notes. And he mm-hmm. can sing, and somebody suggests a cover, and he does it on the mandolin. theres uh, It's like, how does he do it? And, like, and he's also one of those guys where you're like, oh, I bet he's just super nice. You can just tell. He's like a nice guy, so he, he's not quite Miami Man, but I would put him up there. He's definitely an Miami Man on the ascent. Uh, the, the reason I ask you about Miami
1: Man is because, like, part of the problem with all of these, or uh, I don't know, you can tell me. Like, the, these people that you know, like, yeah, you know, you, you admire their work and blah blah blah, but you don't like. I feel like if if the first time you meet them, your opening line is to tell them how much you love their work. That's mm-hmm. it. It's I mean, you've poisoned the well, right? It's over yeah. then, right? Uh, and but if you're not, if you're not astronomically starstruck by Amy man, that doesn't have to be your opening line. You can be just like, hey, like I'm a person, you're a person. Let's just relate as people, right? You don't mm-hmm. blow it by like if you bet your Chris Dealy and like you just have to tell you Chris Dealy immediately like how just whatever amazing he is to you and uh, and all this other stuff. And that's like, well that's the end of that. So later.
0: Or chide chide him for never playing my covers that I request. You know? Yeah, all right.
1: That's a good <laughs> opener too that'll really that'll really cement
0: the It works really well. I, I, I feel like I've learned this from a lot of people on Twitter if you really admire somebody and you're very familiar with your work, uh, you're best to s- start off with um, well, at least a grievance, but perhaps a hostility is the best way to introduce yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. With 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 the humorous tone that it doesn't come across in text. Sure.
0: I don't know people. Just a bunch big, just big big wad of people. The other thing you
1: you mentioned before we leave this topic is that uh, yeah, yeah, Chris Dealy seems like he's very talented, blah, 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 but he also seems like he would be a nice guy. I never assumed that. I don't. I don't
0: don't you have wouldn't, the problem you of assuming assume that that's so you not to assume that
1: yeah because you don't ha- i don't have the problem of assuming that people and most of the time i fear that they will n- not necessarily not be nice people although sometimes you can kind of get the whiff of that but that certainly uh law of averages uh will not like people like me at all so
0: <laughs> you know what i mean really?
1: like yeah and so which is which is fine but that helps keep you away to say, they're not going to be your friend, right? And they're not interested in anything you have to say or do. And they certainly don't need another fan telling them that they're a fan. Great, you're a fan. That's great, right? Buy tickets yeah. to my show, and that's your job as a fan. And I'm like, <sighs> okay, I can do that. But if you assume they're going to be a nice person. You, you're doing, this, a, for your person I, you're doing person this for your own protection They're a person I might get... Now, they're a person I might get along with, you think. It's like, why? Hmm. Why do you think hmm. you might get along with them? Because you like something that they do, yeah. right? Just because you like it, and they made it, and presumably they like it, because you both like this thing, then you're going to get along you're with right. them? It's, How it's, does that not, work?
0: it's not too far off make-believe girlfriend territory when you get into that. Yeah. Like, I, I bet she could be attracted to me.
1: Right. Because we, like, we both like chocolate cake. Sure. <laughs> what? You know, she's really right. good at making chocolate cake, and I like chocolate cake. Yeah. We're practically made for each other. Hmm. We're going to be best friends.
0: Candy. What do you think about mm. Alexandra? Candy.
1: Here's here's the speaking of Ray Romano, the, the one place I fall victim to this yeah. is anybody from Long Island with a Long Island accent. Somehow I feel like the accent binds us. I'm like, no, but we oh, would be yes. friends. We're both from, we could just talk about pizza and bagels and that would be a yeah. bond over. everyone from Long Island is, you know, of the same mind about everything, which is of also course. not true. But somehow the accent I feel like is a legit binding force, much more so than a love of Star Wars.
0: I've thought that. did you see the big sick?
1: Uh, No, I heard you talking about it, but no. Oh, it's
0: good. You should see it. Um, Okay, I got one more. One more. Uh, This keeps coming up. Uh, Jonathan Groff. I would really super like to very briefly meet Jonathan Groff. I got to Google this one, too. Oh, my God. You're killing me. You like obscure things. Oh, my. Oh, you mean the guy that was in Frozen and Hamilton? John. And Mindhunter? Broth. Yeah, that's super obscure. American oh, actor? Be- uh, Mindhunter oh, is not God. my cup of tea, and I'm never going to watch it. That's so obscure. Oh, he was the king in Hamilton? Oh, my God. Where does Merlin come up with this stuff?
1: The king in Hamilton? Uh, you know I haven't seen Hamilton. You know that. I can help you with that. Uh, I have tickets uh, soon.
0: Shut your soon.
1: dirty mouth. Well, not like soon. Are you going in like cold? 2018, I believe, yes.
0: Oh, in, sister. In Boston. Ugh. <sighs> <In Boston. sighs> <sighs> Oh man, I want. I watched probably an hour of Hamilton videos last night, and I, ugh, want to see it so much. American Sniper. What do? Why? What do I know this Groff person from? Tell oh, me my something. Okay, he was on Glee. Never he watched. Was it. On, uh, my head is Go pounding on. right now. You are oh, so Christoph difficult and all for He's Kristoff. Reindeers are better than yeah. people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. And the, on the I, Netflix show Mindhunter, He was the star of that.
1: I know Mindhunter, but it's not my kind of show as so I haven't watched it.
0: Okay. Uh, he was King George in uh, Hamilton. He was in Looking on HBO. And every time I hear an interview with that guy, he just seems like like about the coolest guy ever. He was on, you know, on Fresh Air that they just re-ran on Monday yesterday. And, uh, I, okay, putting him on my list. I'm going to put him on my creepy list. I want to meet Jonathan Groff. Not, mm. not, not in an invasive way, but if it comes up, I would happily meet Jonathan Croft.
1: So is he like he's like a mu- musical theater person? You would categorize him as sort of.
0: Kind of, yeah, yeah. I would say I would say um, best known for being like a amiable, very funny, very talented. You know,
1: musical <laughs> but, gig guy. Featured singles, peak chart positions, and I'm reading through the singles.
0: Oh God, what a terrible introduction! This is rolling in the deep,
1: like a prayer, like a virgin, total eclipse of the heart, hello bohemian rhapsody. Well, that's one probably the glee. Dust. That's probably glee. Yep, I'm like. Glee. That explains this. I didn't this watch highway Glee. To hell.
0: <laughs> oh my god! Now is the Glee? Is Glee the one we're mad at because of Jonathan Colden? Isn't that Glee that we're mad at?
1: Uh, I forget how that turned out. But we were, didn't We were, they, didn't they, we you were like briefly mad about, uh, about Glee. I for, think we were yes, mad about that. Right. I think they got away with it because they had more money for lawyers or something. And oh no, also, ask, ask him? He's a close personal friend. You can ask him.
0: Okay, him. I'll ask. Also, I think that, did they heist uh, the Hayden sisters' version of uh, "Don't Stop Believing"? I don't I think remember. That heisting. You ever heard that? You ever heard is it Rachel or Petra? You ever heard the Hayden Sisters sing in the a cappella Don't Stop Believin'? I think so. Put in show notes.
1: Although, yeah. what did I hear recently? Oh it was on uh, it was on Black Mirror season 4. They did a song that made me realize, oh I didn't realize that was a cover because they played the the original version of it. It was like from the 50s or 60s. Oh really? The 80s cover?
0: like a tainted love type thing
1: uh always something there to remind me that uh, is uh, uh, unless that it's was cool classic,
0: classic burt Backrack song yeah the guy's name uh was it a, was an african-american guy singing it
1: uh i probably think Lou so jo- but, but Johnson, yeah but who was, who was the 80 band 80s band that covered it Simple minds um,
0: no no uh naked simple eyes <laughs> stop talking <laughs> Naked <laughs> what eyes. is it tell me <laughs> what is it what is it naked simple, eyes simple face Rip Jeans? What was it called? <laughs> uh, Naked Eyes covered the great Burt Backrock song. I think it's Lou Johnson or Lou Johnston Naked was the original. Naked Eyes.
1: I would, I would not Walk have gotten that.
0: The- yeah, yep. Yeah,
1: no, of course, I'll, I only know the 80s one because it played all the time and there was a video for it. I don't know why I didn't get the band. Um. <laughs> Some of mine then simply read were two bands in the 80s, so just don't
0: have <laughs> me. On. He's from Manchester. He's from the great Manchester scene. He was there at that famous Sex Pistol show with the guys from the Buzzcocks and Joy Division.
1: All right. But anyway, but the did original... you ever see 24
0: hour party people, John? Did you ever see that movie?
1: No, but I know about it. Put it on the list.
0: uh Sandy shot Lou Johnson, 1964. I went for Daddy. That's pretty good. Lou Johnson, 1964. That guy's yeah, anyway, a good
1: singer. They use the original in an episode of Black Mirror. And Isn't that weird when that I I happens? Realized. That's the first time I realized that was a cover.
0: Yeah. Did you like the Star Trek episode? It's all right. I, I really like it. Black Mirror,
1: I have, I, I, I would like to you say I have a beef, love-hate relationship beef. with Black Mirror. And then I say I have a hate-hate one, but then I'm like, I don't hate it. Like, I watch it. Yeah. It's just so Black Mirror, and it's just like, I, I have know. the same complaint about every single one at a certain point. I just become numb to it and be like, you know what? You're going to have the same complaint about this one, so either watch it or don't, and just shut up about it. Yeah. yeah. And I do, and I have the same complaint about all of them, and so I watch it, and I hope there will be a good one. in the season
0: It's all right. He's an, he's an equals instead of an equals-equals.
1: No, that's not. That's not what bothers me. At all.
0: I know. I know. Okay. Um. So yeah, I'm gonna put Jonathan Groff on the list. And uh, I'm trying to think, I, I've met some very nice people. It's an honor to meet you, John. I can't believe you're even doing this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well. It's a thrill to be grilled by you. It's it's a it's a thrill to be grilled. You sharpen me like a knife. I do, but you don't appreciate it. <laughs> and I don't always hold the I don't always hold the sharpening very much. I need a honing more than a sharpening. Do you know how to sharpen a knife?
1: Uh, I do. Sort of. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I know in theory and in practice I can get a knife sharp.
0: I'm afraid I'd ruin it. I just am afraid I'm, I'd ruin it.
1: I know. I ruined plenty of them. I think that's how you learn how to sharpen a knife
0: is you ruin a bunch of them. Right. Makes sense. Uh, uh, yeah. I don't know if we have time for the theoretical main topic, and it might not be that interesting anyway. Do you want to go into the smaller spot?
1: Yeah, I think we need to at this point. Do you have anything
0: more to say about The Last Jedi?
1: If you want to hear five hours of me talking about The Last Jedi with a bunch of other people, we'll put those links in. I will probably not have that much more to say about here, but I do want to hear what you have to say about The Last Jedi. So you need to have, and if you want to talk for five minutes, that's fine. It doesn't have to be two hours.
0: This is officially the uh, spoiler slot for talking about Star Wars film, The Last Jedi. Oh, first, should we spoil uh, Finding Dory? Nope. That's what they call a callback. They find her. Jim, please uh, fire up the spoiler horn. I wasn't quite sure what to make of this, but watching it and becoming somewhat mindful about what I liked, didn't like, and was made uncomfortable about was fascinating to me. Not a super interesting way to describe one's viewing of a movie, but it got me thinking a lot about Star Wars stuff. There was some stuff I loved, 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 I think the middle three fifths was kind of a mess, but there were parts of it that I really super liked a lot. I will at this point also mention I have not li- listened to any other podcasts about The Last Jedi. So if you want to spring some of that on me now, I'd be okay with that. I did not listen to The Incomparable. I did not listen to the talk show yet.
1: Now, this is about, it's all about you. You okay. should, after this, listen to my five hours and, and, uh, hear all about what I to say about this movie but i don't i don't want to go and duplicate now but like no so get, go into detail about uh what you liked and disliked. okay
0: my daughter had a headache she didn't want to go to the movies at all so i was kind of distracted she was actually this, he-
1: this was your this was your debut uh visit to the alamo draft house right
0: yeah absolutely that's a hell of a and place
1: and you got a headache i'd never been
0: she got a headache um well straight off the bat Oh, oh, boy! Did I ever eat the booger? I'm so used to 25 minutes of trailers that oh, don't. Please don't tell me. Oh no, I blew it. I missed. I missed the Blair. Yeah, I came in on. I came in partway through the crawl. This is, this is terrible. I this know is the worst thing I've heard about. And I, I apologize to my daughter because we have a tradition for what we do at the beginning of every Star Wars movie, and I blew it. Um, but I mean, <laughs> I'm sitting you, there, you
1: stumble into the dark movie, say, "Is this Star Wars?" <laughs>
0: I literally had my dick in my hand. I was literally urinating when I hear, and I was like, oh no, this is not happening.
1: What, what, was was your daughter at least in the theater during that point?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. She, at at she really did. didn't like the movie. Okay, so you missed it, but at least your daughter did. She really didn't like the movie. Here's what I'll tell you. I sat down. It was probably five minutes before I realized that I was slack-jawed and grinning through that whole first sequence, the whole... Big fight scene. I it's probably not since I was in the theater in 1977 that I've had this kind of experience with Star Wars, where I was for better or for worse. I don't know if I'm supposed to like it or not. I thought it was fantastic. I thought the whole opening fight sequence was amazing. You, you mean the,
1: spa- the space battle,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was really, really good and really, really exciting. Maybe just because I was really pumped for it. And like I said, with mm-hmm. rasa I was ready to go in, yep. and I was like, well, if this is an indication. Because it's kind of like, you know, I, I'm one of those weirdos. I kind of like the opening to episode three. Like I think as – especially as the prequels go, that's one of the high points in terms of – You like, like you like spaceships. But, you know, also on uh, on episode three, um, I'm, one of my first – I'm far from the first person to say this. I think one of the problems with the prequels was that, is that I suspect that the director had an idea about how he wanted – the universe is to have looked in retrospect. And it's one reason he goes in and diddles with the stuff is because like he wants it to look like this. Maybe it's that he wants it to look better, but you know been, he has these ideas. That did not go great in 1 and 2, especially 2. It's so weird how 1 kind of seems better than 2 now. But watching the space battle part at the beginning of 3, like it or not, I do think it was very successful in terms of the director implementing what he wanted in a way that was as effective as it gets in those sequels he took the technology he had he did a really great shoot him up with some silly jokes but like i thought that was really good and that's one part of that movie i really like i love the drums i love the the soundtrack on that uh i had that in spades with this one so when this one opened up and uh, like i said i've only seen it once my kid had headache but watching that come across the screen i was like i had i had a rictus of joy i was digging it so so much i liked i liked the silly jokes uh with uh with uh bill weasley i liked all of it i thought it was great and then what happens after the big space battle?
1: Uh, they, uh, uh, Finn wakes up on the ship, asks where Ray is. Then they cut back to the Island, which is what you're waiting for. Cause oh, the he's got his leaky bag Force suit Awakens.
0: on. I thought the leaky bag yeah. joke was funny. Yeah, sure. People got mad about the jokes, John. They're real mad about all the jokes.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I, the only thing I was mad about the jokes is that a couple of them could be punched up a little bit, but yeah, that's yeah, about yeah. it.
0: Yeah. But I mean, so far so good. Like I really felt like I, I really expected it to open on Hobbit Island with the lightsaber. I figured that, that, that almost certainly that would have to be how it would begin given that's how the other one ended mm-hmm. if I'm remembering correctly and I was kind of excited that that wasn't the case either. Um, and I was,
1: exci- at that point, I was excited when, you know, Finn wakes up, posts to say, hey, what's the deal? The first words out of Finn's mouth are where's Rey and they cut immediately to the island because I was also jazzed about the space battle. I also like space battles and, you know, it was exciting and, and well done uh, but I was also waiting on the island but I had, I would forgotten about the island until that quick turn. I'm like, Oh yeah, the island. Let's get on this thing. Cause this is, that's the, you know, right. the there's, there's I care about that
0: whole thing. <laughs> that's right. Okay. So, I mean, I don't want to belabor this. We do not have time to go through the whole thing. My, th- th- I pretty much laid it out for you. Like it, it was every time I would find myself pushing back a little bit on like, Hmm, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> I would try to question myself in time and go like, Hmm, like, why am I? Why am I resisting this? Am I resisting this for George Lucas reasons, the kinds of like sequel or prequel reasons? Am I resisting this for JJ Abrams style reasons? Like I've seen this before. Like why am I resistant to this? And here's what I what I walk away with is I do want to see it a second time because as, as I sit here today, I don't think I could tell you the plot. The plot feels like it was a little cockamamie um, and kind of silly and uh, not going to be that guy. But there's a lot about the plot that was kind of like really that that's not anything they could have addressed, but I was there for the story and I went along. I feel like the beginning and the end were pretty good. I feel like a lot of the middle was fun, but jumbled. And I feel like there were at least two plots that could have very easily just been taken out of it. And Which two were those? I, well, I love Laura Dern, but I think a lot of what they did around her part of it, um, Felt deliberately in retrospect. Felt deliberately tricky and kind of a derail. Not not that I'm against what it ended up showing us, but the way it was implemented, I thought was really clunky. In, like inartfully done. I guess so. And I, now I'm afraid I'm going to make you mad by saying this, but I feel like the whole like she was so great and she has good stage presence, but all, she was kind of in a different movie for a lot of it. And then the whole like oh now we're we're going to turn Poe into this guy who's actually kind of a dumbass a little bit. Like I i don't know about all of that like that just all seemed weird and like deliberately ha ha in a way a lot of the rest of the movie wasn't uh with that said the non-reveal about ray and luke was great and i give full thumbs up to the like you're nobody thing i thought that was incredible makes it all the more interesting for what comes next it's,
1: it's so it's so fun to hear people talk about that because like like i mean a lot of things in movies you people you'll watch it and you will be like you, i assume everyone who watched it came away with the same thing i did and the parentage thing in this movie there is a class of people i don't know how big it is but you appear to be one of them who see that and be like oh thank god because i didn't want them to be like everyone's well, gonna be that's a not, skywalker that's not
0: entirely true i i, I want to rejoin with that but go ahead
1: a uh, skywalker kenobi right but 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 the but bottom line yeah. is you're you're saying uh, you know i like that or whatever I sure, you're I'll, also,
0: I'll say this i sure wasn't mad that it was not a totally on the nose i am your father let me put it that way.
1: All right. But, but.
0: Although I think it's still uh, A lot of people,
1: uh, you know, discuss that part of the movie at face value. And there's a whole other class of people who all they want to talk about is, did you believe that stuff about race parents?
0: Okay. Well, then you're getting to my rejoinder, which is I will not be at all surprised if it's revealed that it turns out in the next one that she actually is.
1: Mm, Yeah. And I guess it's something that's much discussed in the various podcasts of like, uh, uh, the battle of the directors in this trilogy uh real or imagined they
0: make it sound very amiable
1: right sure but uh this they're jerking us around with the story <laughs> like you know one movie sets up 75 things the the movie knocks them all down which is fine mm-hmm. that can be a device but it also reads like you guys don't mm-hmm. have your story straight uh make up your mind don't make a whole movie building up who the parents are going to be it's in like, it's like it two
0: dogs with a pair of socks it's like i've got it now you know
1: yeah right and but now it's going to go back to the jg the third one which is interesting but uh but mm-hmm. I, i'm mostly with you and we talk about that on the talk show a little bit too of like i think on the talk show all three of us coming from like so that bit do you believe him because it is it is kylo ren saying this and you gotta you know he's suspect in a lot of ways and it's like well it could be true either, uh, either way
0: it's better than being on the nose either way
1: yeah yeah sure definitely but uh but the thing is you're not safe from that because if he was just 100% lying in you know, the next movie, like, aha, oh, just kidding. He was lying because he's evil. And the truth mm. is, you know, you're cloned from Luke Skywalker's hand or whatever. Like, so <laughs> there's still room for it to be. A, a,
0: <laughs> what? Is that a theory?
1: That, that's, a, that's a extended universe thing. Sorry sorry oh, to reveal to you the man. horrors that are the extended universe. Oh, my
0: God. That's bananas. A, that's a real
1: thing that happened multiple times in the extended universe. I, okay. never, I never read anything from the EU books but I have heard a lot about them. Don't look into the, the EU is all non-canon anymore. Star Wars yeah, Legends, don't worry it's about official. it. But it is also a rich source of potential ideas for things that are canon as seen in Star Wars Rebels, which apparently is playing a lot of weird mutated stuff that's sort of a uh, weird reflection of the EU. Um, but anyway, so yeah, there's that. that's one plot thread. So, Haldo, Laura Dern, you're like, maybe weird, not great. What's the second thread you would chuck?
0: I don't think the benicio del toro thing made almost any sense i don't i mean it was not a great use of him it's just him doing this kind of thing that they that he does and uh, i kept waiting to figure out what it was going to land on and it, it just didn't it didn't work for me like introducing him when they did and then having it turn out the way it did i'm missing something big because it really felt like a waste of time
1: yep you're not alone in uh, in both of these theories Really, so far how am i doing I don't know. I'm just like saying your your opinions are not outside the uh I'm not gonna say outside the mainstream because honestly I still don't know quite what the mainstream is, but right, right, the, right. the five hours of podcasting that I've done, you will hear a lot of these same things.
0: Okay, good. Well and so here's one. Um let me be potentially controversial. Uh okay, well yeah, <laughs> let me put it to you this way. Is there controversy about an apparent how does one say? Uh uh, uh, Like what you can do with the Force. Is that yeah. something people are talking about? It's, it's, it's been discussed. Okay, the Princess Leia thing. Is that something that's controversial? Mm-hmm. It certainly is. It certainly um, is. I, I kind of loved it. <laughs> I know I'm probably wrong, but I, I was kind of like, you know what? I, I think this is super weird. I mean... The whole, like, bringing her back to life thing was like, man, whatever. But the fact that she could be like a wizard floating through space was kind of cool. I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool.
1: Yeah, I I think I'm not going to say that it's ageism to say that old people are more okay with it. But, like, the the consensus among the nerds that I've podcasted with about this is even the most sort of skeptical and cynical who think it looked kind of goofy are going to be like, you know what? I'm going to give it to you. Right? Because she's not, Leia's not going to get her movie. Because Carrie yeah. Fisher is gone, right?
0: Oh, uh, right.
1: And she and she's been talked about for so many movies as you know having the force, and we—you never going to let her do anything, right? Like, so mm. it would—it almost would if if it hadn't happened, I would feel if she'd never got to use the force other than like sensing that Luke is dangling from the bottom of Bespin or whatever. Like, if she if she never got to, it would seem like an injustice. So even I though it was goofy, it. I hadn't thought
0: about it at all in that way, but I definitely see what you're saying. I just meant, I just meant in terms of the narrative. I loved, I love the idea. Like in some ways, it's, it's like everything. It's like, like Wolverine in the Marvel universe. In some ways, the less we know about how this happened, the better. And with the Force, like I do like that it has some constraints to it, but I'm also interested in the sort of magical part of the Force. And I don't, I don't resist it. I mean, I guess there should be rules about it, but like,
1: I mean, th- I think it's entirely explainable within the realm of force. That's not the problem. The problem people have with it is, is that it looked goofy. Like it didn't look cool. That's what it comes down to. Sort of a it macho, not, it, cool did, not, it did not look cool. Yeah, right. And I'm, first of all, I think it doesn't have to look cool. And second of all, uh, like, it, it, it looks of, a little
0: bit like a like a what do they call those um, kung fu movies? The Wire. Um, right. The the the, you know the what I mean, the like most a, like a popular crouching tiger uh, kind of thing. W- wire Wirefu, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Actually, it looks a, a little bit. like, what is she standing on a platform? Like, what is she doing? That this looks weird. Yeah. The
1: the, the derogatory go to is Mary Poppins. They're looking oh, okay. Mary Poppins. And yeah, once okay. someone says yeah, that, you kind of and, and and by Mary Poppins, what they're saying is that it does not look cool, right? And mm-hmm. I don't really care whether it looked cool because she's not because doing like, a Superman I'm, stance I'm or an, something. I'm invested in Princess Leia and Carrie Fisher in equal measure, and I I as an old person and an old sentimental person know that Carrie Fisher is gone, and I give it to them. Yeah. Maybe if I was younger and more cynical and less of a mush, I would concentrate more on the Mary Poppin' aspects and say that was dumb, that they shouldn't have done it. But I am old and sentimental. And so I say, I acknowledge everything that people are saying about it, but I give it to her. Give then it to them. I give, you know, go for it.
0: With your permission, let's, uh, in the interest of time, let's jump to another really big beat related to this. I thought it was kind of, I thought it was kind of cool. Well, first of all, when Luke showed up, the whole cannon thing was stupid. That whole entire part of the story was like, "There's so much about this that is stupid from a story the, standpoint." The whole what thing? Oh, the ending. And oh, we the brought a special pick? cannon, and nobody can get out of this cave except all these different ways that we eventually found to get out of the cave. And it's like, just blow the thing up. Like, what are you doing? Like, it's just it was that was all so blow stupid. Blow the cannon but, up? Well, no, but the whole like, oh, we brought in this very special small cannon <laughs> to be able to open this door. Like, all seemed like. You guys have so much firepower. Like, why are you why are you bringing this this little weird space howitzer into this? Yeah, that that works in that works in universe, it, right? it may, all, but, but, est-
1: establish that, that that you can have uh, installations that are resistant to conventional firing. You need some kind of special weapon to get through.
0: Okay, but no, this was this was I I thought I was a real real smart cookie. I thought it was pretty cool. Oh, check it out! Look who showed up, mm-hmm. and he's there, and he's a baller, and I I didn't. I didn't say anything. I kind of want to credit for noticing this. I think what, what I might've said to my daughter was his hair looks weird. And, yeah, but I do he, remember he, he thinking, just, he the, just for Jedi. It's just for I men. Remember, for Jedi. <laughs> I do remember thinking, Oh wow. Bad continuity. Or, or it's the guy from the monorail episode of the Simpsons. where it's like, I'm sorry. I stopped to get a haircut. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, um, his hair's darker and shorter. Lame. Mm-hmm. That's not what he looks like. And then there was the reveal. And I was like, Oh no, he's projecting himself as as Rilo Kylie would remember him, right? Mhm. And then I was like, you know what? That's kind of cool. And the whole like now this explains the getting blasted part and Yeah, exactly, Rilo because the because during the getting blasted
1: part it's like all right, but yeah, like, you're not fireproof. This, there it's you know it's there for comical effect with the hold, "you think you got him," right? So it's yeah. clear that the movie is on the same page as us that this is this is comically ridiculous. But then you're like, but "He's got seriously? some kind of force power? That's
0: crazy!" But
1: but seriously, and it's like, well, maybe like he's super strong, and, and you're trying to convince yourself that it's okay. It's like, oh, thank God, the movie says he will. You know, it explains yes. it in a way that, that oh, it makes sense now. It totally makes sense. Uh, there but are I, other talks too, obviously.
0: But I, yeah, but no, but the then you know, I was like, okay.
1: So at what point did you realize he was not there?
0: Oh, I think it was a point when, it was after the huge barrage. hmm He walks out of the smoke, and you can very much expect that, He'll be walking out of there. Like, that's why is the camera still there? Mm-hmm. Um, what happens after that? Was there, like, a reverse he br- shot? He like brushes a- off his shoulder. And oh, then, he does the uh, flick, right. And then Ky- Kylo Ren
1: is there. with, with the, He goes down with the lightsaber, and he's having a lightsaber battle with him, like, one-on-one. Right. And there's a lot of, like, running at each other, anime-style, and doing slices, and they miss each other, and he dodges, and blah, blah, blah. And then eventually... Kylo Ren does one big attack that they show, again, with anime-style cutting of, like, indirectly showing, uh, and the idea is that he just sliced Luke in half, right. and then he turns back to look at Luke, and we expect to see Luke tumble into pieces, but he doesn't, he just stands there, mm-hmm. and then they cut back to Kylo Ren's face, is like, what, you know, what the hell, I'm pretty sure I just cut you in half, mm-hmm. then he walks up to Luke, and takes his lightsaber and pokes it right into the middle of his chest and <laughs> it goes through and Luke is in there. Like at what point in this thing that I'm describing are you like, oh, I get it. He's not there.
0: I feel like I'm I feel like I'm getting a strong feeling it was some point after the explosion. I, you know, I don't exactly remember, but I do remember eventually thinking, oh, there's some shenanigans here. I do remember thinking that. Yeah. So th- when I watched it, I was 100
1: percent fooled. Like, even as he's sticking the lightsaber in I'm well, like... Yeah, oh. yeah,
0: I figured it was new force magic I didn't know about, and I was kind of rolling my eyes a little bit, like, hmm, this seems like a little bit of an extension of the power.
1: Because, because, just because the lightsaber... All right, so the lightsaber, like, passed through... They didn't show it passing through him so much. It was kind of, like, implied, but you're like, okay, well, maybe he, like, missed, or it's some force trick that's making him think he's there, but he's actually two feet to the left, and then he brings his lightsaber up to him, and he pokes it into his chest, and I'm kind of realizing it's like, oh, it's a hologram, and really he's back in the cave or whatever. And honestly... It did not actually land for me 100% until they showed him levitating, you know, in the lotus position Which back on the was island.
0: Which so cool. I like that so the, much. The, the,
1: the, and so that's the best way. I love when that happens in the movie, that the movie actually does fool me 100% and mm-hmm. I got the full force of the reveal at the moment the movie wants me to. As I'm leading up to it, I would have got to it, you know, a millisecond later, but I get to see the thing and then it's like. He's he's on the he's not on this planet he's not he's on the island still he didn't even leave the island he doesn't want to travel anywhere you don't have to pull his damn X wing out of the water it's hard work yeah uh, he's still on the island and I thought mm-hmm. that was a great reveal and then that, that reveal it. ripples backwards and explains all the other ridiculous parts that your brain no longer has to justify um and I thought that was great um but but there are lots of things to to reveal well,
0: why, why did he why did he disappear
1: uh it's the whole you know well they, this is the thing they tried it, to a as Force goes now. As I just as I tried to explain it in the other things earlier in the, the Last Jedi, they tried to establish the the rules of this new power that doing it is really hard and takes a lot out of you. And that if like Ray or even Kylo Ren were to try it, it would kill them. Like the projecting yourself over long distances is a really hard thing to do. And it takes so much out of you that it can kill you. If you watch it a second time, you can see how they clumsily try to convey that. And they didn't do a great job of conveying it. So that later, in, in like
0: training sequences,
1: yeah, like when they're when they're, they're force timing with each other uh, with mm-hmm. uh, Kylo and Rey. Oh,
0: of course. I'm sorry. Force timing. Right. That's and, good. And,
1: it's uh yeah, uh, I, I I it's not original, but when I first said it, it, it was original to me. Like I'm sure a million people said it before. Anyway, um, yeah. they try to establish that that's a thing that can kill you, right? Uh, so when he does it like across the galaxy for like a ridiculous period of time we're we're the audience is meant to understand that the amount of effort required to do this would kill a normal person. And the fact that they show Luke, like he's, he's trying really hard. He's not just like serenely floating there. He's concentrating as hard as he possibly can. So the audience should understand at that point that what he has done by projecting himself across this long distance for such a long period of time would have long since killed any ordinary person. The only reason Luke is still alive is because he's really strong with the force, but it's basically okay. taken everything out of him. So he's going to die. And then he does the death the same way Yoda did, the same way Obi Wan did, in the same way. Well, Qui Gon didn't do it this way, but anyway, he fades away just like Yoda and Obi Wan, because that's the thing he knows how to do. Presumably because Qui Gon taught Yoda, and Yoda taught Obi Wan, and Obi Wan taught him. And I don't know. I don't know how they explain him knowing how to do this, uh, because according to the canon, it was something that Qui Gon discovered after he was dead. So is it that wouldn't the second one? Those, uh, the the, the Qui Gon discovering how to. Commune after death is like, I think it's in Revenge of the Sith or some crap. It's it's poorly explained. Liam Neeson doesn't even a feature to explain it, but it, it's terrible. Anyway. But isn't there um, some
0: point where somebody says to Anakin, oh, good news. I feel like somebody says to him, oh, good news. He's figured out how to become a force ghost.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Yoda says to him. And I think it's in Revenge of the Sith or something like okay. that. But All it's right. like, it's so ham-fistedly done and... It's difficult to explain how Luke knows how to wait do it,
0: even for the Force. <laughs> right,
1: but but we understand because Obi Wan did it and Yoda did it. Seeing Luke do it isn't isn't a big deal. So he fades away just like that, which presumes he's on slate to be a potential Force ghost because he died in that Force ghosty way. So that's what happened to him. He made this incredibly Herculean effort. that was basically enough to kill him, but rather than dying like a regular person, he died like Obi Wan and Yoda, which is fading away and leaving your, leaving your ropes behind as you continue off naked into the realm of Force ghosts. Which is a good way for Luke to go. Like, many many people have said that they would have been upset if Luke died in violence, as Han did, right? This seems like that more, a more appropriate end for a Jedi Master.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in on all of that. I like the magic stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I liked it, but the middle was such a muddle for me. Will, will you give me a reveal now on some of the things you said?
1: Yeah, so the, I think the... Uh, the movie structurally is kind of a big shambling mess. There are so many interesting, good scenes and amazing shots and great moments, but there are a lot of characters in this movie, and there's a lot of story, and they are—they just don't hold together in, into a cohesive whole. And a lot, a lot of the things that this movie fails to do have nothing to do with Star Wars, and just everything to do with like basic storytelling and movie making where there's just, there's just too many moving parts. And I think they either should have cut some of them or figured out how to get them together better. Uh, And you know, a lot of people don't like the sequence on the, the Monaco planet, the Canto bite thing. I was going to
0: ask you about that. What did you think about the zoo planet?
1: With Finn and Rose? I I don't think it was well done. If I would either cut that entire thread or if you want to have that same message in the movie, which honestly at this point, when I see a movie like this, I'm like, I would have said, you know, in the script writing phase, simplify, um, I know you want to say all the things that you want to say.
0: Is it, is it because it's important to
1: introduce the kids? <laughs> it seems like it's important to Ryan Johnson, certainly, because he ends the movie on it, right? But I feel uh, it like, was, it yeah. felt
0: like... It felt like a bit of a non sequitur. I mean, of course I was excited because I knew it was the end of a Star Wars movie and he's looking at the sky and stuff. But it seemed like a non sequitur. I'm like, okay, so this is going to be the next Anakin-style little hero? Yeah, I mean, there's just, there's just
1: too much to introduce in this movie. Like, too many too many threads and and i don't think you're doing them justice do you want to talk about the wider war and people getting rich off the conflict Do you want to talk about sparking hope mm-hmm. and uh the rebellion across the galaxy do you want to talk about ray and uh and kylo ren do you want to introduce a bunch of new characters and have them have backstories that you care about do you want to teach poe to be a good leader do you want to uh give uh you know leia an, an important arc it's like you have too many characters and too many arcs that you like this script as written is not doing them justice so pick your favorites and decide I'm going to give up on the notion of telling the audience about the wider conflict and arms dealers. Like you don't get to have that in the movie anymore, except maybe as a drop tint, you don't get an entire story thread about it because it will give you more time to concentrate on fewer threads. And honestly, I would have been happy with only the Kylo and Ray story with a much less important B plot. And that's it. And this thing had like an A, B, a C and D plot. And it wanted to do all of them. And, fine if you can pull that off like go for it but if it seems like it's not holding together and you don't have time to even weave a coherent story let alone to give them all do them all justice yeah um you know pair back right so i'm not going to say you, very you can't have a movie with that many threads but i'm going to say if it, it's really hard to do and if you're not doing it you will end up with a better movie if you concentrate on fewer things yeah but, you know, of course, the problem is everyone has their favorites. Like, oh, well, I don't want to give up Rose and Finn because I like Rose and I like Finn's It's like, sure. Right. Um, But you got you got a lot of characters just carry over from The Force Awakens and then you can introduce more. It's like this is not Magnolia, you know, like you're not you're not mm-hmm. uh, you're not Altman. Uh, Like it just it, it, it's a, it's hard to do. So and <laughs> and again, there are there are great scenes despite all of that in this thing. I just feel like it doesn't doesn't really hold together.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Okay yeah i'm kind of i mean i have not followed i avoided the controversy entirely before i saw it i saw the movie six days ago i've read just a little bit mostly i've read people's responses to responses to takes the the things i've seen have been more like no you guys are misunderstanding you're being really mean to star wars um but it's just some of the criticisms feel very unintentionally gamer to me yeah <laughs> do you know what i mean so some of the responses feel a little bit like, mm, like I'm not happy with star star Wars. Therefore, this is an opportunity me, opportunity for me to be um, kind of a jerk about women. Yeah.
1: There there are all sorts of terrible takes about this movie for sure. Like, and but you people know saying, are mad like, but, but about like
0: where you can't just go like, Oh, I didn't like this star Wars. It has to be ghostbusters all over again.
1: Yeah, no, that's, those are the worst takes obviously, but there are even ones where people who are mad in a sort of star Wars fan kind of way. Where, like, I wanted Luke to do something different, or I don't want to hear about it. Like, there's all sorts of people who are angry for reasons that have much more to do with them than have to do with the movie. (laughs) I find that there are fewer people than I would have expected to have issues with the non-Star Wars aspects of the movie that bothered me a lot. Just basic structural storytelling, how many characters plot threads, writing script. Like, those don't have anything to do with Star Wars. Those are just Mm -hmm. like, uh, so you want to make a movie. Just filmmaking, yeah. Yeah, right? And Mm -hmm. it's hard to do and everything, but those basic structural things, uh, to me, are a problem. And... Maybe they're not as much fun to talk about as you know. Oh, I don't think they should have introduced this force power, or I have this picky plot detail. But it's like before you get into the picky plot details, of which there are many, right? Like I feel like at the point, if the point where you're arguing about the illogic of the slow speed space chase, like the movie had lost you long before that. Like you shouldn't be thinking about that.
0: Well, the, but like Rose, Rose in particular seems to take a fair amount well it seems to basically be what i what a little bit i've seen about this and forgive me if i'm being reductive about the reductiveness but it seems to come down to it seems like a chinese lady showed up and demanded to be in the movie and they changed it for her and that made it terrible well th- it, those
1: it, are the worst takes those those you can just safely that's, ignore that, that is like, a take that's out there that i've seen yeah, several it times is, but i mean those people are just going to be mad about like whatever like it, i don't i have no patience and interest in what any of those people have to say about anything but, but the thing is like if they want to be mad about that be mad that that plot thread was not artfully done. Right. Like yeah. I like Rose as a character. I like Finn as a character. I wish they'd been given something better to do than what they were told to do. Cause it doesn't make that much sense and they don't get to, you know, it's just, yeah. <sighs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I still want to see it again. Um,
1: yeah, you should. Like, and I, I, I'm, I'm glad I saw it twice, and I'm looking forward to seeing it like a third time on video because that really changed a lot for Rogue One for me as well. So I want to hmm. you know, chill out about it and and see what I think. Like, I think the more I watch it, the more I'm able to enjoy the fun parts and just say, yeah, they kind of messed up that part, but like just let it slide. Like, take it, you know, not be as we, upset we, we, that we they made in, a middle of the road Star Wars movie.
0: Each Star Wars fan asks a lot of each one of these movies. And we often ask a lot. There are different things to ask a lot of, and it's uh, it's a lot to ask.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, this movie delivered a ton of things that no Star Wars movie had ever delivered before for, to people who were desperate for them, right? And so those people are very easily able to see past all of the things that are unquestionably wrong with this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's true of any movie that's great, like I mean, like the, the the asteroid chase sequence in Empire Strikes Back is ridiculous if you think about it for more than 3 seconds. Like every part of it. The chase, the the giant slug thing, like that it's just it doesn't make any sense. You can pick it to death. But nobody picks it to death because if you're engaged with the movie and wrapped up in the characters and the tension and the whatever, like that's how a movie works. It distracts you from the parts that don't make any logical sense and don't really hold together by grabbing you by the lapels and getting you up, you know, like so you are you are invested, you are engaged, and you are interested, and you don't have time to think about how they're breathing inside the mouth of a space slug. Where did all the air come from? Why is there gravity pulling them down to the space slug, who's vertical in a shaft? How are the bombs from the tie fighters dropping down? Like, you can go on and on and on. Asteroid fields don't have asteroids that close together. That asteroid is a potato. Like, it just it doesn't. Nobody bothers with that. That's what happens when the movie is good, and the Last Jedi does that for some people because there are exciting scenes and exciting things that you've never seen in a Star Wars movie and for certain people it gets them engaged enough that they're not bothered by all those other things and maybe that they can endure the the shaggy dog excursion to Monaco, Space Monaco, right? And maybe they're not bothered by the fact that that thread doesn't go anywhere or maybe they can retcon it and say it not going anywhere is a secondary message and then resume the movie.
0: I really like the Space Horses.
1: A lot of people hate the Space Horses. Um, (laughs) But I feel like a lot of people are just not interested in the Space Horses. This is the thing. I don't begrudge the people who enjoy this movie and think it's great because I do think this movie does things that no other Star Wars movie has done. It's both visually and structurally. It's very different in an interesting way uh, than than other Star Wars movies. Perhaps not that other movies, but than other Star Wars movies. And for a lot of people net net comes out ahead of the game people saying this is their favorite star wars movie and i'm not going to tell those people their favorite star wars movie is a bad movie because it's not like their favorite star wars movie is a prequel like those are just those are bad movies this movie is like it's middle of the road there's some good uh-huh. parts there's some bad parts that i don't think really holds together entirely but some of the good parts are really good so you know
0: yeah high bar yeah so all right spoiler slot well, well last part okay since you brought since you brought it up I listened to, um, uh, there's a pretty good podcast where directors interview each other. One of the few podcasts where I find myself thinking, this is too short. It's like a half hour podcast, but in this case it was, um, Spike Jones interviewing Ryan Johnson about it, um, which I listened to after seeing the movie. And like I say, he makes it sound all, of course, very collegial and like, you know, Wait, is yeah. this, was this after the movie came out? Yes. I'll need, you should send me this link. Okay. And, um, so what are your thoughts for the return of, uh, JJ uh yeah so
1: i it's hard for me to say i think i talked more about this in the incomparable or maybe i don't remember i talked about it but like the the seesawing of like jj sets up a whole bunch of things that are super important to him and then uh ryan undercuts all of them uh and then jj's gonna come back for the third one i'm not quite sure how that's gonna work because i think it feels
0: like a recipe for disaster
1: i think undercutting uh, and going against expectations based on things that are set up in the first movie is an important thing for a sequel to do. But I think if you do, if you undercut like everything that was set up, it reads more as a disagreement about the fundamental direction of the trilogy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the real story is, but like in a good way, the third one, you can go in any direction of this because like anything goes at this point, right? Cause it's not mm-hmm. as if these, the second one followed on from the first one and you kind of see where the arc is going. Because just like now, it's like, where the hell are you going with this, right? The only thing you can say is, like I said, they're sparking the rebellion. And presumably in the third movie, the rebellion has been sparked. And it's more than just like the people hanging out in the Falcon, right? Mm -hmm. But beyond that, almost anything goes. And so that's kind of exciting that there's an unknown. But on the other hand, the traditional Star Wars trilogy thing is to have an arc that seems like it's leading somewhere. So even though Jedi was very different from A New Hope... Uh, not Jedi. Uh, Empire was very different from A New Hope and did a lot of things that subverted expectations. It still pulled that thread along mm-hmm. in an arc that it, it evolved the story and there's more complex things to it but you still see like... There, you, there's, the confrontation that happens in Jedi is clearly telegraphed by like the rebels in the Empire, they're going to get it on and by the way, Luke and Vader... That's going to come to a head because mm-hmm. that was, you know, in the first movie, Luke and Vader, find whatever. It's not that personal. The second movie now it's personal. Right. And a third movie pays that off. Like you're going to see Luke and Vader and they're going to be at each other. And, you know, and it's going to be different light than it was in Empire. And, and Jedi pays that off. Right. In this movie. I mean, I suppose Kylo and Ren are going to see each other again, but. Like it's not even clear what their relationship is at this point, right? It's like it's complicated
0: in Facebook. I don't. I don't. I I just. I think I just don't get where the franchise is going with his character. It feels. I I mean, it it feels like it it feels like this that like they've been reading that emo, uh, Rilo feed or something.
1: Yeah, emo Kylo Ren. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I can never remember his name because he sounds like a band that I like. But I
1: know,
0: um, I <laughs> sometimes I play it up for fun. But no, I, but like in this one, I, I'm just like, what, what am I to make of this character? Um, I, I mean, maybe I'm supposed to have, you know, conflicting feelings about it. But I just feel like I love the actor. I just I don't get where they've been going with him the whole time. It's just the, be, the best case I can figure out is he really is just a sullen teen who's not very interesting. And I, I, keep, uh, I keep, I keep, I, I keep looking for something that tells me he's actually super fascinating. But no, he's just, he's just kind of another turd.
1: Uh, I mean, I have some theories about him that you'll hear on the other podcast, and I don't want to go into. I don't know if I can uh, do five
0: hours, but you know, I'll do what I can.
1: Yeah, you, you'll make it through. It'll be all right. Hmm. Um, but the interesting thing about where they're going to go now is, it like it could go in almost any direction, right? That the, they have. I mean, don't you think it's going to have to go
0: to like reconciling that he turns out to be a good guy?
1: No, I don't think it has to go there at all. <laughs> absolutely hmm. do not think it has to go there
0: okay hmm.
1: uh, i think he uh can prove He'll to have a be a big showdown a, with ren uh, he can prove to be a villain through and through he can have an opportunity regem- redemption and i, said to ren. Grasp I it. meant
0: ray god damn it a big showdown with ray i'm sorry
1: yeah i mean that, the two of them seem like yes, they're they're headed for each other but in not in a way like where uh where Ray is now hell bent on redeeming him, because I don't see that, right? Not in a way where they are hell bent on killing each other, because I'm not sure about that either, right? Like it can go in a lot of different directions, and I don't think it's a sure thing at all that there is any redemption in store in store for Kylo Ren.
0: All right, thank you for giving me the opportunity to discuss it.
1: Thank you for you know, sharing no, it. I, I thought it was super interesting to hear your opinions without hearing the million podcasts that have. Been
0: um. Broadcast. Well, thank you. It was nice to be able to share. And I, you know what? What came out of it is, I think I really like Alamo Draft House. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: just now you know, you know, uh, show there. up earlier because well, be they don't have to... trailers. Is that why I caught you off guard? Oh,
0: well, first of all, I was just really—I mean, like, I, 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 loved the whole exceeding like, arrangement. I loved the bespoke. For, uh, uh, so, did you see it on an Alamo Draft House? I've never been to one. I don't know. Okay, this is my first time, but they had this whole. They were playing like tons of like hilarious, like um, knockoff commercials from other countries in the nineteen seventies of Star Wars. They played lots of like TV parodies, Donnie and Marie. Like somebody put some time into putting together this reel of hilarious, weird Star Wars stuff. They did bad lip reading. They did a bunch of um, real fun stuff, and then like all of their like most of like the bumpers and like promo stuff was all like Star Wars themed. I was like, man. This is this, this is not just like one smart design person. Like they've got a plan for how they do this, and that's setting aside the fact they'll bring you beer during a movie. It's pretty cool. And here's your homework for next time: watch the Amazon Prime Video show Patriot.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's hard to describe. It's, a little, to, bit, it's uh, a little bit.
0: Oh, it's I a little bit dark. Oh, I want to hear what you think.
1: And it's hard to describe. It's uh, very hard to describe. But, uh, as you suggested to me, if you watch the first episode and you feel like. This is not my kind of show. You're probably right. but yep. if you watch the first episode episode and are intrigued, can, and I, can
0: I quote can I quote you? Sure. I think your quote was, well, wow, that sure was a thing.
1: <laughs> it sure it surely was.
0: It surely was a thing. And, and at that point, like I
1: wasn't entirely sure <laughs> I was, whether I liked yeah, it or not. Yeah, right. But I did watch the next one and okay, then the next right. one and then the next one and then the next one. And so I guess the jury, you know, based on what I have done, the answer is, yes, I did enjoy it.
0: Mm-hmm. all right enough said uh you know what you cheered me up I feel better now I'll just go look at Twitter and see if we're still alive you got any updates are we are we, are we still okay yeah it's like we should be prepared
1: for this Merlin we're children of the 80s we know what it's like to live in constant fear of nuclear annihilation